You're listening to episode 239 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. You know, with Warner Media merging with Discovery, I want to know how we can get part of this, you know, merger culture. You got basically five companies in the world distributing all media, whether it's Disney or Discovery or you know, Netflix. How do the comics pals get in on this? Do you want to merge or do you want to be merged? I want to be merged. Give me that sweet belief. Who is your who is your ideal merge e? Hmm. Good question. I like that. So many ways, and you better answer really fast. (laughs) Tom Cruise. What if I merge? What if I merge with Alan Moore? Wrong answer. All right. Well, the comics pals are for the for the day merging with one and only T.J. Sterling. Uh, We brought the man back. Uh, the creator behind Okamis, the creator behind, and I'm I'm really happy to be able to say this, the creator behind the funded, the completely funded Kickstarter, uh, yeah. Joystick Angels, a beautiful book. TJ, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so happy to have you. Man, um, my pleasure to be on the Comic Pals podcast once again. I absolutely love you guys. Um, I had a great time last time, so I'm honored to be back to the show. And yes, um, I have a comic series that people can actually pronounce this time. So um, thank you. <laughs> Moving up in the world. That's <laughs> so right. It's been a it's been a year since you you came on. We 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 determined it's that been. it's been it's been a year. Um, how have you how have you been? You know. We obviously we've all been dealing with the same pandemic. I feel like, uh, you know, I've asked a few creators how they've used their time, and generally the answer I get is, it's kind of been beneficial in a way. How have you been, and has it kind of been in a weird way beneficial from a creative standpoint? That's a great question, Sean. And yeah, man, I, I honestly there's a whole bunch of silver linings for us comic book folks. Um, before I was commuting into Soho, Manhattan for my day job every single day. And then, you know, trekking another, you know, my commute time is about an hour and a half every single day. And um, sometimes longer, depending on the traffic, you know, trains out here break down all the time. Gets too cold, gets too hot. You know, you've got to walk or you got to take a bus. It's, it's pretty brutal. So to be able to get at least two hours back every single day and, you know, wake up a little later if I need to work from home and then jump right to the drawing table after I'm done, increase productivity tenfold. We've spent, you know, me and the Ray comics team have spent the last year and, you know, last summer, since I've talked, you just grinded it out, man, like working our butts off, creating as much content as possible. I mean, I've been, I think, Last few months, I've written like four or five scripts um, for different comic books for Okamus number five and six um, for uh, a book called Villainous, which I'm working on with Newton Lillibois of Crescent City Monsters. I wrote a couple scripts with Greg Anderson Elise, who's the guy who writes and um, is the creator of It's Not of the Weir Spider. Yes. Um, and I also co- created, uh, co-created and wrote two new scripts, two new stories for this comic book series, uh, Joystick Angels why a space opera comic book series so i was like look i'm gonna be inside i want to use this time 
to just create as much as possible. So whenever we come back, I've got like a shitload of stuff to just hit people with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the fact that you were able to just, you know, go off on all these different projects you're working on and you only talked about, I mean, you mostly talked about what you've written. Like, you know, th- there's so much um, that you've got coming out. And I love, you know, the fact that Joystick Angels is one of these projects that's coming out of, you know, this extra time that you've had. Um, we're going to talk about Joystick Angels. We're going to dive into that. I have questions about you recently did a panel and I want to hear about that. Um so much to talk about. Before we get into that, I do want to let you listeners know where you can find the Comics Pals all over the place. Of course, you type us into Google. We will come up. Uh, if you want to chat with us, you can do so by writing to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Make sure wherever you're listening to us that you leave us a follow, a rating, a review, and a like. If that happens to be YouTube, hit that subscribe button. It's totally free to do. Share the video with your friends. All that's free, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. If you want to hang out with us, join our Discord server where we're constantly having conversations about the stuff we talk about on this show and a bunch of other stuff, too. Uh, Avoid the Weeb channel. That's the Badlands. Don't go there. Um, And, of course, listen to our book clubs. Uh, We're always putting out quality stuff on that front. And take the Comics Pals Challenge. I challenge you. I defy you. I double dog dare you to look at our book club selection and not find a book that you like. If you can do that, reach out to me and we will do a book club of your recommendation. With all that out of the way, TJ, let's dive into Joystick Angels and specifically on the Kickstarter. And I'm assuming this is a part of the name uh, Joystick Angels, a new YA space opera comic series. What I love about that. And this is something that I think only a comic book convention grinder would do because you put in in that exactly what someone can expect out of the book. So when a when a person walks up at a convention and they see that they know, okay, this is what I can expect. This is going to be good for my kid Uh, if they like, you know, space comics, if they're if they're in that sci fi space. They're going to get something out of it. And then even the title, Joystick Angels, and it, it reminds you of video games, especially if you're a parent buying a comic for for your kid. That is a perfect name and pitch. Speak to how that all came about. Um, first of all, thank you, man. And um, yeah, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, with Kickstarter and, you know, how the platform is, it kind of forces you to come up with a quick elevator pitch and kind of a quick um, log line um, that's clear and concise. And, you know, I, I mean, I've been doing cons for a long time and Okamas itself is a book that, you know, gauges a little bit older. I mean, you know, in terms of the type of action, in terms of the, the gravity of the story, it's very like, you know, you know, in a world ending, you know, consequences where Joystick Angels, we wanted to do something a little more lighter. And we did want to be able to reach out to the, the you know, a, a younger market. And, and honestly, I have so many kids that come to my table and love my art and want to buy my books. Sometimes they can, sometimes they can't, depending on their age. But I wanted a book that, you know, parents could obviously um, buy with confidence, you know, support with confidence every single time. 
Um, and, you know, I think about as a kid, all the YA stuff that I liked and, you know, watching it years later as an adult, seeing that there were like, you know, adult comments and situations kind of sprinkled in, you know, little stuff like that situations that, you know, as an adult, if you do read it, it can still be entertaining. So we wanted to kind of stick within that, um, that sphere of like, okay, it's entertaining for young people, but also entertaining and kind of cool for adults as a comic book. So, um, joystick angels really came from, uh, this idea of, you know, eighties and nineties shooting up style video games. You know, if you were a big fan of star Fox back in the day or Gradius or Darius twin, or any of those types of games where it was like a little ship against a huge monster in space or huge monsters, if you will, that's kind of where the essence of this comic book originated from, you know, uh, and, and I just love that genre so much. So like the joystick angels part just kind of, you know, came together. I mean, I think it was like the first or second name that I thought of. It just kind of hit me like lightning. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's it. Let's, let's do it. And th this is a beautiful part too. Like when you're constantly creating um, anybody who's an artist, you're kind of in the flow and the stream of things and just stuff kind of just starts coming to you. So we knew we wanted to make an, uh, an homage to those video games and an homage to that era. 80s and 90s and do something really kind of funky and cool and bright colored and just out there and you i mean visually you nailed it um this this book is 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 gorgeous um you know you guys really it feels like came up with a visual style that not only uh harkens back to that time period, but also feels really fresh and really cool. Um, you worked with um, Nats Ledesma on this project. Yes, sir. Um, what was that process like bringing on another artist to, uh, to, to work with you on a project? And also you worked with your brother on this, which has to be really cool as well. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, um, anytime you kind of give up artistic reins to another artist, it's it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit like, eh, you know, how are we going to handle this? I knew that if I was going to draw, I was going to write a space story, that it was going to have to be an artist that was really good at drawing mechanical stuff as well mm -hmm. as human beings. Because certain artists aren't really great at drawing mechanical, you know, things, planes, ships, robots, X, Y, and Z. And uh, Nats Ledesma, who um, is an actually incredible illustrator out of the Philippines, he is known for drawing, you know, mechanical stuff. He loves Transformers. Um, you know, I, I've seen so many. He loves drawing mechs and robots. So, like, he's in that space of doing really, really clean, concise line work for, for mechanical stuff. So I was like, Nats, let's talk. So we got on the phone and um told him about the story concept and you know he didn't have any other books going on at the time so he was like i'm all in and um you know the surprise to our you know the the surprise that we got from him was actually pretty amazing because you know he was better than we even could have imagined in terms of the look of the story the character design um everything was really next level stuff and then we brought in um laura Servina, a colorist out of italy who was absolutely incredibly talented and he kind of created a look color wise that isn't really existing in comics right now. It's a very, very polished, you know, um, a high contrast, um, you know, bright color look that is something that's really kind of different than what I've seen from his work and from any other work in comics. So we just, 
trying our best, man, to do something as different as possible and just completely left field, if you know, if we can. Well, so speaking of doing something totally different, you've got a soundtrack with this. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Could you so, tell us what that's like? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, I come from you know, me and my brother, are the two biggest creatives in our family. Um, I'm, you know, the artist of the family and my brother is, you know, a musician. You know, he uh, spent years in band and orchestra playing, you know, tuba and, and you know, bass and drums. And, you know, he, he's, you know, the traditionally trained music guy. He's also trained for, you know, studio engineering and production um, for, you know, beats and composition. So, you know, he's done techno, he's done house, he's done rap, he's done hip hop and R&B. He's done pretty much everything musically for clients and for himself. So, you know, he's also interned and, you know, worked for Universal Music Group, you know, years back. So like he's, you know, he's seasoned, he knows what he's doing and he's, he's he has a great ear for music. And he's also a huge comic book fan. You know, he's a big Punisher, Silver Surfer guy growing up. Like we were buying comics side by side in the store. And, um, you know, at, even though our paths diverged creatively and, you know, I went full on to art and he went into music, you know, he still reads comic books and still appreciates. And, you know, he shows up to a lot of the cons with me. Um, I don't think you guys got a chance to meet him when we were in Philly, you know, because he wasn't there. But typically he comes to every show with me to hang out and get to know everybody. So a lot of people know him and he has all of this music that um, I've done album cover artwork for. So we've already had that collaborative energy in previous years. And we're like, well, why don't we co-write a comic book and why don't we do some music together with it? Because if it's really going to be in that vein of those 80s and 90s video games, it's got to have a soundtrack. It just has to. So um, it just was kind of the most logical step. And it's so cool to work with my brother on it. We, we had talked a little bit about your love of video games last time you came on the show. And we even, we even kind of vibed on Mega Man, um, Mega Man, Mega Man X. And um, talking about the soundtrack, I mean, those games have amazing soundtracks. Did you take any influence from those old games to kind of create a sound for this book that will be reminiscent for people who, you know, love that time period? Absolutely, man. I mean, um, again, sonically, my brother is inspired by so much. I mean, you know, he's a huge, you know, um, Hans Zimmer and Brian Tyler fan. I mean, you know, every, everybody knows Hans Zimmer. I'm not sure. I mean, most people know Brian Tyler, but he's done lots of soundtracks for Marvel movies. And um, he's inspired by those guys that started out, you know, as traditional musicians, but eventually got into cinematic stuff. And, you know, he listens to everything so those you know he still talks about the soundtrack of secret of mana which is you know old game you know old 8-bit game that people you know that had some amazing music and and the interesting thing about music back then it was so analog i mean it was built through a machine it wasn't really necessarily you know you know instrumentation of any kind i mean it, it's very different you know the music now for video games versus back in the 80s and 90s so He's definitely incorporating a lot of those elements um, that he loves from that era. He's also incorporating a little bit of techno, um, a little bit of house in there, um, inspirational stuff. I mean, each track, there's eight tracks on this um, OST, and each one is kind of geared towards the different characters within the story, as well as the environments. And um, I guess this would be a good time for me to tell you who the characters are, what the environment is, all that good stuff as well. Yeah, please. Uh, before you dive into that, I did want to say that, you know, we're going to have a link to the Kickstarter in the, in the description. I Thank encourage you. you to click on this link because 
you 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 have to see the art like it's gorgeous if you love anime if you love manga if those are your flavor if you again if you love that 80s kind of 90s um vibe you you need to see this uh and then when once you see it it's going to be very hard for you to say it's going to be very hard for you to not say i need to own this um so just just click it check this out it's, it's beautiful stuff so yeah uh the, the characters look very dynamic and cool why don't you tell us a little bit about the world and 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 who these people are absolutely and man i'm have to hire sean as my promo guy because that's <laughs> fantastic holy crap i'm, I'm open i'm open <laughs> But yeah, man. Um, so Joystick Angels, um, why a sci-fi space opera comic series? It's centered around five young space pilots um, called the Angels, who um, are essentially, you know, pilots of a squad. They're a fighter pilot squadron of five kids that are tasked with saving a, saving the universe against um, an evil parasitic alien empire that's trying to destroy the universe. Mm. Um, pretty crazy, um, I think. People will, you know, kind of the story will resonate with them because they've kind of felt like, oh, hey, wait a minute, I've seen something in this vein before. They they they'll, they'll feel that it's it's very familiar. But this parasitic alien empire is kind of like a hive minded drone ish like you know entity that goes from planet to planet, absorbing resources, destroying planets, you know, taking over as many creatures as possible into their collective. Um, a little bit Borgish, if you will, um, but you know, all organics. And, uh, you know, Earth is no more. There is no more Earth. So all of the, the last remaining human colony lives on a space station called the Libor Space Station. And every 10 years, they have a competition called the uh, Quantum Elite Space Tournament. And this tournament basically is where all of the fighter pilot squadrons within, you know, the Libor colony compete for... Um, the highest rank of Supreme Squadron and the Supreme Squadron basically leads the charge against the Eucaria. So, um, you know, you get um, some interesting competition, some interesting, you know, social dynamics with these young kids trying to be the best, but also coming of age, you know, they have a huge responsibility, but the highest honor is to be able to be a part of this military effort. And uh, like I said, it's a really cool book that mixes, you know, music and games and um, the character is a lot of fun. Um, Fox, the main character, you know, has got like an interesting Lionel Richie type of look with his hair. Um, and uh, he's kind of the brash, cocky leader of the group, you know, super, you know, um, energetic, you know, is able to lead a bunch of misfits, you know, with his own strong will. Um, you've got Deuce, his second in command, who is a humanoid animal panda hybrid, who basically is, you know, obviously a second in command, but also a skilled fighter and um she's the one that goes to planet by planet when they're exploring to make sure that's safe for human beings so animal human hybrids play like a very specific role within society in terms of space exploration you've got dragonetti who is the uh music art guy who is super um vibrant with fashion you know he's got silver hair you know like he's just a, a very crazy weird dude but he's also the fastest pilot in all of libor so he's a very talented pilot on top of all that other stuff. And then you've got Tank, um, who she, Cassandra Middleton, a.k.a. Tank, is um, the espionage strategist part of that team who, again, will plot out courses and, you know, make sure that the angels are, you know, on, on track with, you know, their strategy and, and all that other good stuff. And last but not least, his legs. 
uh, Legs is the resident tech officer. She's an Afro-Latina queer character who um, basically fixes everything, fixes the ships, you know, creates phasers, tech for the team. And so you've got like a very well-rounded, you know, team that kind of fulfills every single facet that's needed to be um, a space squadron team, uh, if you will. So um, that's the angels. Uh, we've got so many cool things planned. Issue two is already written. So, I mean, you're going to see more of these guys. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because as you're describing this and I'm, and I'm looking at the artwork, it's like, it, it, it makes, it's making me excited. Like it's, it's so, it's so fun. And, you know, you're saying these things and some of it feels familiar, but in a comfortable way, it's like, yeah. okay, cool. Like, these are concepts that feel like they almost could exist in the world already. So I can slip into it and, and, and ride the ride of the story. You know, you're, you're going to learn the world. You're going to have to learn the world, but you're not going to, you're not going to have to waste too much time uh, getting bogged down in, you know, concepts that are complicated. Uh, everything you just laid out allows you to slip into the story and just enjoy it. Um, and again, it's, it's combining like that, that anime feel of like these, these young people who have this journey and they're going to have fun, but they're also going to, you know, presumably kick some ass. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, um, me and my brother, we grew up besides, you know, loving video games. We were huge star Wars and star Trek fans. Um, simultaneously, we just love those properties and, you know, uh, when I think about Star Trek, you know, before the J.J. Abrams reboot, it was very philosophical. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, big budget, crazy explosion action and stuff like that. I mean, there was cool action, but it was much more of a philosophical type of thing. And Star Wars was very big budget action, you know, in terms of, you know, the fight scenes and, you know, the ships and, you know, um, just everything about it. Um, so we wanted to kind of, you know, take elements of both you know just a little bit of philosophical but also big budget action but you know again we love anime we wanted this to kind of be visually palatable for folks who um could see this as an animation so we could eventually pitch it and maybe even create a game you know the same vein that you know that uh, the comic was created from so I, I mean yeah man like we're just we're trying to do some cool stuff and, and just we're trying to have fun while we're doing it and joystick angels is a fun book um you know, we're not preaching in this, and we won't really preach in any of our books, but we're not preaching anything in this. We're just literally just trying to uh, take the audience um, into a different world, you know, and just make them have a good time. The, the other side, we can all use a panda as a number two in life, right? I mean, I want a panda as the number two. I mean, shoot. <laughs> Everybody wants a panda. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was such a, it, it's funny too, because she's a red panda. I don't know if anybody's seen pictures of a red panda. They're much smaller than the, the traditional black and white pandas, but you know, she's a red panda. And I don't know, I just, I, I wanted a bear in there of some sort. And I'm like, okay, well, polar bear, not so much, but I think pandas that kick ass are cool. And then, then I forgot that there was Kung Fu Panda and a whole bunch of other panda related kick-ass characters. So happy accident. <laughs> I I love I love the fact that the you know the human characters in this book uh at least appear to be all people of color. Um, That's correct. And you know, in sci-fi stories, frankly, we just were not that represented um so to see that and that 
you know, you telling me you're not preaching or anything like that. Like the fact that they're all people of color and that's just what it is. I love that. It's a statement, but it's not a statement at the same time. This is the story. These are the characters. This is how we're moving. Um, and that's refreshing to see. I got to appreciate that, man. Yeah. You know, it, it was absolutely intentional. I mean, again, you know, I, I write the type of characters that I know. Um, they just pretty much what it is for me. And, and you, you know, I'd like to think, I think, you know, it's, it's a very idealistic and a hopeful thought that, you know, uh, a thousand years in the future or 2000 years in the future that, you know, racial inequality and, you know, things like ignorance are a thing of the past in terms of, you know, racial relations between different people, like everyone should be one race. And, and, you know, in a, in a situation like this, where earth is destroyed and now there's one common enemy, you know, this alien empire that literally wants to wipe out all existence or, you know, make existence their own, if you will, human beings have to come together. You know, and, and and that's really what you see with Joystick Angels is all races have come together. And, you know, this particular team is a team of young people of color doing some really cool stuff. But again, like there's the, the statements there, but, you know, the, it is a world that is, you know, completely together, which is, again, you know, hopeful for the future. And you are right that in a lot of sci-fi stories, there just wasn't a lot of diversity, uh, unfortunately. But again, you know, that also is indicative of the of the writers who created those stories they just probably didn't understand diversity or didn't have you know a diverse friend group or whatever um so again that's what we're really doing here we're really kind of reinventing the wheel and, and creating new stories that are going to be able to be in that space you know in the long run that have more diverse casts and things like that and diverse um everything so it's just the way of the future absolutely you're not kidding um you talk, you talked about the video game po like the possibility of a, of a video game and that really piqued my interest because these characters visually just look perfect for that and when you talk about you know indie games now and how i don't want to say easy because that trivializes it but you know it's easier to get a game made nowadays than it's ever been is that something that you I mean, I'm sure you would love it. Is that something that you're seriously going to like pursue with this project or maybe even Okamis? Absolutely. I mean, um, we were talking with a game studio for the last Kickstarter for Okamis. I mean, we, you know, had a nice little budget to kind of throw towards it. But, um, you know, we decided to kind of take all of our um, assets and just, you know, invest them deeply into the next, you know, next round of stories. Uh, I mean, I think... You know, I have these conversations with buddies of mine in the comic industry who have been doing it a lot longer than me and have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and, you know, we'll make 80 grand on Kickstarter. They've been doing it twice as long. And, you know, they, they I, 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 I learn a lot from those guys. And, you know, the, the moral of the story that they always kind of, you know, intimate to me is try not to get big too fast. You know what I'm saying? Just like, oh, that's what she said, right? <laughs> I, I had to. I caught myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, you know, try to pace yourself because really as a comic book publisher, our main objective is to create great stories and build a library of content. Before you saw the first Spider-Man cartoon or movie or animation or movie or whatever, they had 30 years of content. You know, I've been around for five years, you know, so it's like, think about staying the course, 
building your, you know, your library and making sure that when you have a robust library, you can say, Hey, we've been doing X, Y, and Z comics for, for years. We've got, you know, a great cash flow coming in from previous, you know, comic books. And now we can devote a video game to this larger fan base. So it's still on our trajectory of stuff to do. We just want to do it right. And we don't want to put the camel before the horse or, I'm not sure how that saying goes, might be correct, might be not, but we, we don't want to fly before we, you know, we, we want to walk first and we yeah. want to walk well. And that's really where we're at. You guys are walking very well right now. Um, Thank you. Very well. So I want to, I want to shift gears um, again. That is joystick angels. Uh, you guys, you guys are going to want to check this out. Um, it's a YA space opera comic series and it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like, please look at it um so i want to shift gears because you recently did a panel um and and actually you were on it with uh victor dandridge uh who of course was on this show uh very recently uh awesome human victor. yes um and the panel was called developing original comic book stories and superheroes mm -hmm. um so I, I actually know that, you know, this is certainly not your first panel. Uh, the first time I ever saw you, I believe, was actually at a panel um, in Philly. So you're 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 used to doing these. Um, what do you when it comes to this specific topic, developing original comic book stories and superheroes, what kind of 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 guidance do you like to give to uh, new comic book creators who want to jump into the mix and and tell their stories um fantastic question sean i mean every single story that i've ever created i try to create from you know my, i i i trust my instincts you know I, I don't go for a cash grab i try not to do and i pay attention to the industry i think you have to be to really be a good creator you have to understand your industry and you have to know it and you have to have a good history behind you of what your industry is whether you're in comics or music or gaming or whatever you really need to have that history you need to be a historian if you will um in the arts and i'm a historian of comics and i've been collecting since the late 80s i've been going to conventions since 2005 um you know and i've been to conventions all over the united states and, and i just i love you know comics i love the medium i love the genre and i love what it's about so for me um Anytime I sit down to create a story, I kind of look at what the market looks like in the indie comic space. Are there any space opera comic series? Absolutely not. Are there any comics with comics with OSTs? Absolutely not. You know what? Great. That's a perfect idea. We need to do that. So, you know, looking at your world, you know, taking, you know, kind of inventory as to what's happening. Oh, well, here's another story about Egypt. There's about 15 of them. Glad I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Or more power to you if you want to do it. But again, you know, the, the market's flooded with stories and characters from ancient Egypt. It's just, it's flooded. So, um, you know, thinking about what's not existing, but also like, hey, what story have I not done yet? I'm always, that. that's like the motto we have at Ray Comics. What, what's the story that we have not told yet? And again, you know, I knew, you know, that I, I, I mean, again, I knew that there were no space opera comic series out there, but I also knew that, hey, we haven't done a space story. We haven't done a YA story. We haven't done that yet. Why not do it? I think, and, and let's do it really, really well. Let's take the time to, you know, 
get some great character designs together. Let's figure out some story arcs. Like let's, let's really put our, our head to the ground. So, you know, when you are a historian and you love comics and you're approaching uh, creating something from a holistic place and not just a cash grab, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse and you know, what's going to be cool. And um, I'd say that's probably my best advice right there. And it is sage advice. Um, I think a lot of people kind of miss that part of it. Like, you know, there's 50,000 superhero comics. How's yours going to be different? Um, how, who's, who are you serving with this book that's not already served by something that Marvel puts out? Um, and that's kind of like, even when you, when, when, when Okamis came out, um, I remember seeing it at uh, Wizard World and it's like, okay, this looks like Power Rangers, but it's not Power Rangers. And if you don't want to read Power Rangers, maybe you you grew out of it when you were young, but you come to the table and you're like, oh, this reminds me of that. But it's more mature. It's more for people my age now after, you know, when I watched it as a kid, like that's the kind of thing that makes sense. Like you have to think in that way. Um, how can you serve an audience that's not currently being served? Um, that makes a lot of sense. And, and one of the things that Victor said, um, and, and you can speak to whether or not this is a part of your agenda as well, was um, to service every kind of person. You know, um, he has the, the young adult book. He's got the kids book. He's got the, you know, kind of older teenager book. He's got the adult book. He's kind of, you know, reaching out to every kind of person and saying, hey, I have a book for you. It's, yeah, you know, um, that, that's I mean, you do have to think about your demographics, man. Seriously. I mean, again, um, you know, the interesting thing about Okamas is that, you know, there were no indie comics doing Sentai tokukatsu style heroes when I debuted in 2015 that those stories didn't even exist. And I'm almost I'm pretty certain Power Rangers as a comic book was not out at that time either. Oh, um, so, you know, literally it's like, you know, you have an indie comic company that's thinking forward and then the big companies catch on. I'm not saying they saw it. I mean, they, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, uh, who knows? But my point being is that, you know, that's what, where we're at. My mindset has always been, how can we, you know, see a trend, you know, or, or see uh, what's next and act faster than anyone else? Because that's really where like, Oh, Hey, like if you're checking the records, like, okay, this is a great Sentai type story, but it's, reminiscent of a lot of other cool things that you would really really like and and it is you know slightly more adult so you can enjoy it and be you know have that nostalgia but at the same time like really um take something else from it as an adult i didn't realize i was talking to a futurist <laughs> tony stark vibes <laughs> so I, I, I want to ask you, and, and maybe, you know, you don't want to give it away because that, that would make sense. But as a futurist, what, what do you, where do you think the industry is going? What do you think is, is a space that, you know, kind of does need to be filled? Because um, I think things are getting more diverse, but I think there are so, there's so much room still for uh, unique stories to be told. Yeah, um, the industry is definitely going in a great place. I mean, I think diversity is at a high is at, is at a high more than it's ever been. We've got more independent comic book companies that are popping up every single day. Um, more people are creating and you know kind of carving out a voice for themselves. So I um, I think the industry is going in a great place. 
Now, you know, it's interesting in terms of comics because, you know, I don't think Marvel makes money off comics anymore. They make money off of obviously the merchandising and the movies and the film and, you know, the multimedia stuff. And, you know, comics is kind of like a cherry on top that continues to kind of um, help build their library of creative creativity and stuff, stories they can pull from. Um, so I do think that, you know, you're going to have more digital stuff eventually you're going to obviously the nft stuff is picking up pretty crazy for arts and comics um each comic book company starting to get on nfts is a big thing so i think more virtual stuff is going to be um more accepted i do think though that um you know at some point in time there may be like an actual um apparatus that will help you read your comic book uh, virtually you know uh instead of it being like an ipad where you can just scroll through pdf and it's a little less you know tactile if you will i think there's going to be a tactile element for digital comics that eventually is going to be built or someone's going to come up with it and you can you know flip through it like a comic book but you can pour it in any comic book of any digital can be ported into this physical device and then it's you know kind of like you know um uh, a jack like uh, i don't think that you can you know just retrofit with anything mm. so i've got some interesting ideas some thoughts so we'll see okay all right um yeah i mean it's so it's so exciting to be a fan of comics right now because there's so many different kinds of stories being told and it feels like the possibilities are absolutely endless um at the same time, though, you know, there's been a lot of upheaval recently. And, you know, you talk about the fact that we haven't really had cons are starting to come back. Um, and, you know, we're hopeful for the future. Are you are you going to jump into conventions as they as they return? Is that something that you're looking forward to? Yeah, man, I'm um, scheduled to be at Blurred Con in uh, Virginia. Okay. Um, and this coming July, scheduled to be at Awesome Con in Washington, D.C. later in the year. I'm, I may do New York Comic Con. I'm not quite sure about that yet. Um, I might do a convention in Detroit as well. Um, so, I mean, yeah, man, I'm I'm going to jump full back in. Like I said, I'm going to get my vaccine, uh, my second vaccination in June. So I'll be ready for con season. Um, social distancing, double mask it up. But I mean, again, you know, I, I spent a year not making any money at cons and it was really tough to not have those cons in my regular rotation of stuff. Um, and a lot of people didn't get their books. So now, um, you know, uh, cons will be, you know, a little bit smaller, but they'll still be a step in the right direction. And, and basically to figure out protocols, like yeah. how do we socially distance how do we have adequate, like, you know, uh, I mean, every, every, everybody in this room has been to a con bathroom and, and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, and you got somebody in there cleaning it all day and it's still dirty. It's a cesspool of germs, cesspool. Yep. So um, they've got to figure out how to make the con experience much more um, sanitary. I mean, I, I think any, any, anyone here has known someone that's got con crud or got it themselves. I mean, I had yeah. one friend who got con crud so bad that she, you know, eventually got pneumonia and had to be hospitalized. I mean, this stuff is serious business out here. Like con crud and COVID would be like the ultimate parasite <laughs> empire that wants to kill everybody. 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> when I'm talking about that in Joystick Angels, it's very reminiscent of real life because bacteria, organisms, viruses are immortal. They do not die. They evolve constantly. They are, they've been here longer than we have, and they're not going to go anywhere. And what you see with that, you know, the, the Eukarya, this alien empire, that they are um, this hyper-evolved race of bacteria and, you know, viruses and, you know, stuff that literally attaches onto everything and tries to, you know, destroy and, you know, pull the resources from it. So it does, you know, touch on real life and, you know, like, Hey, we got to be cleaner. We got to be better because we can't do cons. We can't do events or the world like we used to. We just can't do it. That's a really good point. Um, Comic-Con is, is, you know, we love it and it's beautiful, but it's a dirty place. Uh, by and large and you know we human beings are so resilient that we kind of just like accept the fact that you know hey we're gonna get sick from this but uh, it's fun and you know whatever we're gonna have a good time can't do that anymore um so yeah that's that's a that's a really good point um comic-con does have to change i hope that it doesn't change in a way that negatively affects the creators um, one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, something as simple as when people line up, if they line up to get, you know, your books and they want to get an autograph and maybe have a couple of words with you or whatever, you know, if we have to socially distance six feet apart, how long is this line going to be? You know, if you've got if you've got 10 people, you know, which is not a huge number, but if you've got 10 people in your line, but they each have to be six feet apart, you know, where's that? How is that going to be managed? You know, there's so many question marks in that respect. That is, man. Like I said, they've got a lot of homework to do. They've got stuff to figure out. And, and you know, this year will be the transitional year into how cons are going to look in the future come 2022 and beyond. So it's going to be interesting, man. Um, but again, you know, um, I definitely encourage people to go if they if they're comfortable to go go but yeah. just be safe and not wrong wearing a mask and gloves i mean you know i was i was the guy that was wearing a mask on the plane before the pandemic hit like i mean because i just knew that planes were disgusting like airports are disgusting because i'm like this you know, i'm a big research guy so it's like before the pandemic you know i was researching that airports were the dirtiest place in all of america you know, any airport, you can pick any one, the amount of germs that are on those bins when you put your clothes and your shoes in them or um, the bathrooms, even the planes weren't sanitized before. It's like uh, sometimes it kind of blows my mind how like there's no common sense. It's common sense, but it's really not common. It's like a place like an airport where or an airplane should be sanitized every, after every single flight. Like it should just be done. Like, I don't even know why we had to have a pandemic for it to happen because you were literally transporting germs from one state or country to another. Like it, it almost, it, you know, like you think that, Hey, they're already doing it, but it took a pandemic for them to figure that out finally. So yeah. it's just, it's wild stuff, man. But, um, so there's going to be some good that came from it for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. So I want to I want to shift gears. I want to have a little bit of fun with you. Um, we're, we're you know I want to use the last few minutes we have. Uh, I want to ask you you know during this pandemic, have you had the opportunity to sit down and and play some video games, man? Oh man, I um 
I have not actually. Uh, no. you know, I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been so strict with uh, myself and my time with just creating that. Like I was going to limit as much fun as I had to just creation. I mean, I would say that, that I've been watching a lot of shows. I'm like okay. a big show person right now. So I'm currently on every streaming platform there is. So I've watched pretty much everything. I'm rewatching old stuff like Batman, the animated series on HBO max. Um, uh, you know, just discovering stuff on Amazon prime. Like I, I'm, I work, work, work. And then like, I dive into a really great show and then I gain my inspiration from that. And then, you know, go back to the drawing table or to the writing canvas and that's it. Okay. So a few quick hits then. Did you catch invincible? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And what'd you do? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I thought Invincible was incredible. Um, I love the story. I love the music. Um, I, I, I was a fan of the comic book series and I read the comic book series when it first came out. And I like the changes that they made because they made it more relevant. Um, they made it much more contemporary. Um, and I always find it interesting because, um, you know, Invincible to me is like kind of a, uh, an American version of Dragon Ball Z, you know, with you know, some DC comics elements in there too, you know, obviously having a Superman S type character and the justice league ish type thing going on. But, um, you know, they take it to another level, you know, the brutality of it is really kind of refreshing to see in a superhero story. Cause someone's flying at you at hundred miles an hour, your head's going to get knocked off like it literally. And I think, um, it makes a lot of sense for the uh, genre that Kirkman's created. He's got a lot of brutal stuff. He's a brutal guy. His mind is pretty crazy with walking dead and invincible and all the other stories that he's created. So, um, yeah, I, I love the series. The action was incredible. The animation was fantastic. I liked the splice between 2d and 3d, um, really kind of a perfect, perfect, you know, series in my opinion. Wow. High praise. Um, how about Falcon winter soldier? Yeah. It, it's stellar. One of the, so I always find it kind of interesting because you could have a two hour movie, or you could have like an eight episodes, you know, series of like, a, a, you know, an hour an episode and which is better. And I personally think the TV is better for certain characters. And I loved Captain America, Winter Soldier. They dealt with so many, you know, poignant issues, diversity, race, um, you know, what taking on a mantle of that stature looks like, um, what it means to be a hero. You finally get to see Sam really step up and shine and be this next level leader that I think the Marvel universe needs overall. So, um, personally, like I said, I love the series. I thought the action was incredible. I thought the costume was, was genius. Um, I mean, to me, it was one of the most perfect things Marvel has ever done. Seriously. Yeah. I'm locked up in agreement with you there. Uh, and, and then also have you had the opportunity to, read some comics on every creator I know and many like, you know, even fans I know have that, that stack. Right. Um, so do you have a stack and have you had the opportunity to kind of get through that at all? Yeah. I, I mean, I have a stack of indie comics. I mean, like for the last couple of years, I made it, you know, my mission to support only indie comic books. Um, so I come back for the stack of stuff from conventions or I buy a shitload of, you know, digital stuff. I mean, people can see on my Kickstarter, how many Kickstarters I've supported. I'm almost at a hundred. Um, I've only created two campaigns, but I've supported over you know, almost a hundred. So I, I, I support a lot of stuff. 
Um, but currently I'm reading this book. Um, this uh, book right here, I don't know if anybody can see it. Um, it's uh, it's kind of fuzzy. It's an electro. It's a little fuzzy. It's Electra Assassin. Okay. And it's by um, Frank Miller and Bill Sienkiewicz. And I'm also reading um, this book by Brian Stelfries. Um, damn it. No one can see it. Um, Thomas River. Interesting. Yeah. So Thomas River is a cool new book that Brian Stelfries just did through 12 Gauge Comics. So I'm reading that. It's kind of like an espionage type story. So yeah, I'm I'm reading lots of different stuff, old, new stuff, but mostly indie. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of indie creators, who would you shout out right now? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, first of all, I'd um, definitely shout out my writing partner, uh, Newton Lillibois, um, the writer and author of Crescent City Monsters, who's um, a really good friend of mine, an incredibly talented, brilliant guy who... Um, We've created something really crazy together. We're doing this story called Villainous, and it's a uh, cyberpunk noir story. Really kind of crazy. It's centered, well, it's actually following a villain character. It's not about a hero. It's about a villain and um, some of the wild stuff that he does. And also uh, Greg Anderson, Elise, we're also working on a book. But, you know, the book him and I are doing are a risque sci-fi sex comedy. So just doing something ridiculous, fun, crazy, uh, out this world so i mean again i'm having a lot of fun working with these guys and i can't wait to work with more people so if anybody wants to work you know dm me at ray comics <laughs> awesome well uh tj we're gonna let you go you've got a lot of things going on busy man uh you're working your way up to challenge victor for that title of hardest working man in comics uh i wish you all the success in the world again we're talking about uh joystick angels uh, a new YA space opera comic series. It is funded, but of course, as you guys know, uh, there's never enough money. The more money we pour into these Kickstarters, um, the better product we can get. You get something out of it yourself. You get to have the book. You get to have the OST, which I'm sure is going to be a banger. Um, and, it, and it keeps these kinds of projects coming. Um, and we need that. And Kickstarter has been such a blessing for this industry. Um, so back to project, check it out. A link to the description, a link will be in the description to it. Uh, just check out the art. If nothing else, look at the art. That's going to compel you to want to own this. Um, so give it a shot. Um, before you do go, let, where can people find you on the internet? Um, how can they reach out to you? You mentioned at Ray Comics, the, uh, plug the website and everything else. Absolutely. Great point. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. So I'm super easy to find guys um, at Ray Comics. That's my Twitter, my IG. Um, you can find me on Facebook with that name, R-A-E Comics. If you go to the website, raecomics.com, you can buy t-shirts, comic books, um, art prints. You can also get toys that we've got any left. And then there's a link to the Kickstarter on the website too. Um, if you want to get into the Kickstarter, which Sean has been talking about so powerfully this entire time, super easy. You go to the link in my bio on, on any one of my pages, it takes you right there. Or if you go to kickstarter.com and you search Joystick Angels, it pops right up. We'd love your support and we'd love for you to have a next level um, comic book that's just incredible and amazing. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you again so much for your time, TJ. And uh, hopefully it's not a year before we get to speak. Uh, and maybe even see each other in person. Exactly. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it.
Thanks again to TJ for joining us again. Joystick Angels, the link is in the description. Go check that out. Uh, but we've got so much show to do. Uh, we've got tons of listener comments we got to get into. And then as far as the news goes, what a week. Uh, a new Batman, a new Batman and a new Superman animated shows are coming to HBO Max. Um, there's gonna be an injustice movie. Uh and 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 again, as Phil teased at the top, Warner Media and Discovery are merging. What a week. Uh, there's so much to get to. But we're going to start with the listener comments. You guys have been blowing our mentions up on YouTube. Thank you so much for that. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, so many comments over on YouTube. We couldn't even get to them all, but these are the ones that we thought were interesting and we wanted to highlight. So, uh, Phil, take it away. You got it. So first up, we have a comment on our Radiant Black number three review from Invalid Spin. He says, or they said, I'm not going to assume their gender, Radiant Black has been solid. First three are slow, but it's character development, and I guarantee it will make more sense later on. The fourth flipped everything upside down, and I'm excited for number five. Just my opinion, though. I think he will be uh, he will come back somehow, and his buddy will also become a Radiant of a different color. Someone will be a different color. I'm sure a team will form to save the earth from whatever that robot is warning about. Either way, I'm interested and I guarantee I guarantee things will pick up. Well, I can speak for the three of us. I hope it picks up. <laughs> I do too. Uh, I'm glad and, and this was something that was consistent in the comics or in the comments rather, was that you guys are are enjoying Radiant Black. And it's possible that, at least for my sake, that I've been too hard on the book but i'm only telling you what i feel mm -hmm. um it just feels a little too slow for me and and you're right issue four did flip everything upside down but i really i said this in the review i really wish that that had happened in issue three yeah just because it feels like we've gone through so much nothing to get to something and that's something that's a little bit more palatable on television because you're not paying for presumably um every episode you know when you watch a tv series if especially if, if it's just on cable you're not paying for that show mm -hmm. uh so it's easier to swallow when things don't necessarily move um but in comics when you're expecting me to pay four dollars an issue i can't really justify watching someone sit and type their magnum opus i could be doing that right now and yeah. i'm not i'm spending money in your comic give me something more and um, those types of issues serve better as in-between arc issues, you know? Like we're transitioning between story arcs. Sure. But not in the middle of trying to get to know our characters. I don't know. I do want to say Kyle Higgins is a is a more than competent writer. He's mm -hmm. he's he's definitely very talented. It's not shade at him. And I'm sure no. the story will go somewhere. It's yeah. the question of, of whether or not I care to be on that ride. And right now I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Uh but Kale, uh jump into our next question. Sure. Will he survive on Radiant Black number three? Uh, this, I guess that same video says, yeah. uh, just jumped in on Radiant Black four. Sounds like I haven't missed anything up until now. And I've enjoyed the Ultra Mega series. Great discussion, guys. Definitely worth the sub. Sounds like he survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying Ultra Mega. And uh, we appreciate that you feel we're worth it. <laughs> uh, and then this one, this next one comes from uh, 
I'm assuming it's Mick underscore Lovin. Yeah. Uh, the, by the way, these comments are on Radiant Black 4, not 3. Sorry. Um, he says, you just have to look at it in the bigger picture of things. If they're making this a whole universe, it's got to set up backstory and such, especially if the comics are going to go for a lot of issues. Well, you're right. Um, but you know what prevents comics from going a lot of issues? When people don't buy it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, comic book creators, unfortunately, do not have the luxury of assuming that people will buy what they produce. Even books like Immortal Hulk, one of the biggest success stories of the last 10 years, as far as a, a book that no one had expectations for that went on to go 50 issues, it's going to wrap up in 50 issues. Um, you know, they were worried about whether or not that book would succeed. And you're talking about the Incredible Hulk a character who's been around for 60-ish years almost or something around that, um, they didn't have the confidence that that was going to be a book that had legs. So it's a bit presumptuous to assume you're going to get the opportunity to do an entire universe. You've got you've to work issue by issue and have confidence in your story, but not necessarily the assumption that your readers are going to stick along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it, it appears based on the comments that you guys are loving this book and really enjoying it. So what Kyle Higgins is doing is clearly working, at least for you guys. I'm saying I don't know that we're going to get to the point where there is all that uh, that story that's that's able to be told. But image books tend to have a longer rope, and we'll yeah. see. I'll tell you what I think frustrated me very specifically about that writing day issue is it felt like a moment it felt like it should have been a moment to breathe um you know maybe after a first arc like we said uh in in that interview um you know when something really big happens and you know you're you got to ease your way back into the 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 next story or you know back into the character or whatever get maybe a little more character work and figure out what his inner stuff is, you know, is going on. And it just, it didn't feel earned to me. Like, I don't feel like we got anything out of that for it to be issue three. And you know what? You mentioned uh, McLovin that, you know, you got to spend time building the universe and everything. Well, you can do that while moving the story along as well. You don't have to bog it down with just uh, exposition and stuff. Like there are many creators, and again, we're not knocking Kyle Higgins. We, you know, he's a great writer, but you know, there are other ways to build a universe while advancing a plot. So, it don't involve your character sitting around writing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, Phil, why don't you uh, bring us into the next question? You got it. So this is a uh, this is a comment from YouTube on our 238th episode of Marvel Comics Gone Stale from Kilgore Trout. I have around 20 books I have on my poll that c- come out this week, and only one of them is a Marvel book. And that is coming from a lot that from a guy that grew up on strictly Marvel. That says a lot. Yeah, I mean that's everything Sean basically said last week. Uh, if, you know what what books are coming out that are really appealing to you from Marvel? Well, the answer is not a lot. Yeah, uh, and and you know I, I think I I think I probably was harsh last week um part of it is due to frustration that i genuinely feel uh about the state of marvel comics and it's not that there aren't good ones there are great ones there are phenomenal ones 
And we mentioned a few of those in the episode itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that if you're listening to this, you've got your favorite book that we maybe didn't even mention. But I can say for myself, my pull list of Marvel comics has definitely dropped. And I don't want that. I want to read Marvel comics for the rest of my life. And I want to, I want them to flourish and thrive. So that's the only place that it comes from for me. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like maybe you're all, you're into all that symbiote stuff that was happening last year. That was pretty big event wise. They were selling like hotcakes, you know, that didn't really tickle us as much. The art was beautiful, but you know, uh, you know, we want to see that Jonathan Hickman type stuff that is all Marvel Universe in- encapsulating, you know? And just more substantive. You know? Yeah. Uh, symbiotes are cool, but there's not a, there's nothing underneath the hood, as it were. Yeah. Get us into the next question, Kill. So Garrett Harshman says on, asks on that same uh, episode, episode 238 what song is currently tickling your biscuits what is this question question. i don't know i i love it though uh anybody chomping at the bit with an answer uh the song i've been listening to a lot lately is from this artist from philadelphia uh called japanese breakfast uh she's a korean kind of indie singer Mm -hmm. uh uh, she did this like 80s throwback song called uh be sweet and like the music video is like all this X Files type stuff. It's just been stuck in my head for like two weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I do have one. Um, it is. I have two actually. So it's um, Eurovision this week. Which oh, that's if right. You're, if you're an American, it's American Idol, but countries compete. So everybody, every European country, and then like Australia and the UK, and maybe Canada as well at this point. They have their own little competitions for who's going to represent them. And then these countries all over a couple of nights have a big singing and like variety show competition. It's incredible. Uh, You're talking like like incredible ballads to crazy death metal to Australians on like stilts swaying back and forth and doing a whole thing. It's incredible. Uh, it's, wow. I've seen some of those visuals, Kale. They're insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the hot numbers uh, for the past, I think, two years, 20... Oh, no, they didn't get to do it last year. Um, so Eurovision didn't happen last year, but the favorite was Iceland. And they're a group called... Um, it's an Icelandic name, and I'll be damned if we're not going to bring this back. That's right. Uh, Thomas pronounces the name. I think they're they're prena- It's called uh, Dadi Freyr. <laughs> okay. I don't All know. Right. If you look up Eurovision Iceland, you'll find these guys. Um, they uh, they have a a song called uh, "Think About Things," hmm. which uh, is all about like the lead singer at the time uh, just had a baby and it's a, a, a fun, really fun song about like what he thinks being a parent is going to be like video is incredible. This group is known for their um, really fun choreography. Um, and they play like really cool guitars and shit. And they all have like knitted sweaters with their faces on them. Uh-huh. But this year they, uh, 
have a song called 10 years and it they've been a group for 10 years and the video for this one you know i'm all about it's uh the group is a superhero team a power ranger style superhero team and a monster attacks mm. and they use the power of their dope icelandic rock to <sighs> defeat it and it's they're so good I highly recommend it okay hmm. Okay. Awesome. Uh, as for me, I have uh, extremely uh, eclectic music taste. I'm kind of all over the place. More recently, I've been getting into um, diving deeper into post rock. And mm. uh, so I've been listening to a lot of God as an astronaut, and they've got a song called When Everything Dies that I am obsessed with. Um, so if instrumental rock type music is your flavor uh god as an astronaut is a band that you might enjoy nice a lot of stuff like that is what i've been listening to recently thank oh, you yeah. for the question garrett i appreciate that but i have the 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 comment of all comments this person who wrote in this comment is clearly a genius uh, mm. clearly someone who listens to this show very closely mm. and clearly uh, our biggest supporter. So the name, their name is definitely not Sean Soapbox. And they <laughs> okay. wrote in on episode 238 and they said, I personally think that Sean does a lot to moderate and run this podcast and he deserves a little more appreciation than he gets. All the other pals are wonderful, but a nice sign like an edible arrangement or George Perez original art would not go unappreciated. Mm. Thank you perfect. so, so much. Definitely not for writing in with that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that you appreciate me. And I agree. I think that the rest of the pals, you know, they could show a little more love. I agree. George Perez original art. You hold on and uh, give me an honest self-assessment here. You think you're worth George Perez original art. Okay. So yes, but um John. Yeah, absolutely. But are you? Yes. I'm worth <laughs> are more you? than that. I am I you may not value me that way, but clearly definitely not does. And I value myself. So the answer okay, is so, yes. So your girlfriend wrote wrote in, decided to write the, the comment. That's fine. My no, girlfriend listen has never written in and she will never write it mm -hmm. listen guys what sean has to deal with when it comes to pete and marco and especially kale on a weekend and week out basis that's enough to make a man lose all his facial hair and all the hair on his head so i'm with this listener when they say that sean deserves these things and you guys should really step up and provide them to him yeah. Okay, actually, uh, there's a George Perez page on eBay for $141. Uh, yeah, you're probably you're probably worth that. I'll give you that. All right, we'll buy you're it right. From right now. You know what? Yeah. And 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 there are probably a lot of people who are listening to this that think that um, I wrote this comment. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> the way that you know that is first of all edible arrangement no uh second of all allergic to it <laughs> yeah 
anyone who knows me knows that I'm allergic to everything. So, uh, uh-huh. but also if I were going to uh, request someone to buy me a page of original art, it, it wouldn't be George be Perez. George Perez. Yeah. Not any shape, just not my time period. So, um, yeah, that's just, that wasn't me. Uh, Kale, I think that you are being harsh. Uh, I think you're being really harsh towards me. George Perez. I need, you're not being honest. I want an honest self-reflection. You're saying George Perez, original art. The man who defined the look of DC Comics. Yeah. As you think of them. I'm the architect of the comics files. Yes. I oh, big fucking that. deal. So am I. Well, I think I deserve that art too, frankly. And you know what, Kel? I don't think you do. Phil, I hey, think you listen, do. I'm yeah. not I'm not saying I wait, you're saying I do? No. No, absolutely you don't. Not. No, oh, I definitely don't. Yeah, no, no, absolutely no. not. Phil does. Yes. Wow. Sean and I do. Kale, you deserve like my art. <laughs> <laughs> i'll I'll make make a nft and get billions my girlfriend has a has a nephew he's he's four years old and he's you know he's on his easel right now you deserve his art yeah 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 yeah. i agree i would probably really enjoy that actually (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah one of those those dumb shitty things that would touch me way down in the (laughs) the the crusty layer of this ice cube i call a heart yeah and the caption would be something like kale is doo 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 like doo doo dooku or something and yeah. it's like yeah yeah that's true yeah, sean's nephew or rebecca's nephew excuse me well uh thank you guys so much for all the comments we really really appreciate them um especially you definitely not uh definitely not sean I mean, it definitely wasn't. So I want more comments from definitely not Sean Soapbox. Write in again, please. Yeah, you're a great person. And Kale, try not to be so harsh, man. (laughs) Hey, make it worth it. Step it up. Maybe I'll change my mind. All right. Well, let's get into the palace pulls Uh, from Kale. We've got Flash Impulse Runs in the Family. Ooh, yeah. So this, I guess, is a reprint of... uh, uh, impulses, uh, original appearance in hmm. the, in the, I guess it was the eighties at the time, um, in Mark Wade's flash run, uh, because he, the character is now showing up in, uh, 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 uh the CW flash. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and man, I, I have a deep love for that era of sidekicks. Is it Bart Allen? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bart Allen, uh, Tim Drake, and Connor Kent, uh, uh, Superboy. Um, love, love that trio of characters. Um, so I'm, and I think this is the only one I actually don't have. Hmm. Uh, so I'll be really excited to get that. Nice. Cool. Nice. Uh, and then both Kale and Phil chose Robin number two. Oh, I didn't realize you chose that too, Kelly. Yeah, Joshua Williamson. Uh, I was pretty piqued by that first issue, and uh, the art was beautiful. Uh, Gleb Melknikov. Uh, I'm excited to see kind of where this goes. It was a good cliffhanger. I know we were kind of split when we talked about the first issue. Uh, you know, this one has a longer leash for me. I want to see. I want to see where it goes. And I'm a big fan of um, of Damian Wayne. So, 
Uh, and then uh, Phil and I both chose X-Men number 20. Sean, what are you going to wear to the gala? Uh, probably something very similar to what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> we, listen, we really need to talk about this. Are we doing something? Because I'm going all in if we're going to do something. You if do whatever not, you I'm not need gonna... to do. <laughs> you do whatever you need to do. However you I, need to express yourself. That's right. I kn- it's going to be incredible. <laughs> Listen, how you show up to the gala will determine whether or not you are worth an original piece of George Perez art, Kale. Well, then I'll be worth a fucking piece of Jack Kirby art. Let me tell you right now. Okay. Okay. I got a plan. Uh, I'm excited. I, boy, I'm really intrigued by the direction of uh, X-Men. We'll talk about, you you can go listen to our uh, review this week on uh, our comics, but you know, way of X number two, that kind of really piqued my curiosity going into X-Men number 20. Uh, I feel like the train is back on the tracks after ten of swords really derailed us and punctured us, so to speak. Indeed. Uh, I'm really excited for this issue. This issue, you know, it's been a, it's been two months since the last issue of X-Men. And um, this issue has Nimrod on the cover, which is already in and of itself super exciting because we haven't seen him. But we know that this issue is actually going to feature Mystique. Yes. And uh, I saw a preview. I think it was of this issue that showed her reaching out to Forge to try to convince him to help her bring back um Oh uh, shoot! Uh, her 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 ex her wife destiny uh, destiny yes thank you, um, and Forge is actually her ex boyfriend, um, so that's kind of interesting yeah interesting dynamic there. Um, I love Mystique yeah great in character. general, but she's been very absent from the storytelling recently. I assume that's because her big story is this one. It is the, you know, her wanting to get destiny back. You know, notoriously, she's going to the Hellfire Gala without a date. Mm-hmm. Um, if Forge is unable or unwilling to help her expedite the process of bringing destiny back. Anyway, really excited for this issue. I can't wait. Uh, next week cannot come soon enough. We, we've we gotten too far away, I think, from kind of the this like any kind of dissent or questioning of things on Krakoa because mm. you know it's a it's a utopia but so many of the undercurrents are raise a lot of moral questions and we just haven't really touched on any of that we've really just kind of gone with the flow so to speak uh i really am excited for this this issue because i feel like we're going to get back to like kind of the the seedy undercurrents of life on Krakoa because Mystique, I think, really represents that. Yep. Um, definitely agree. And I think that uh, the, the summer is going to be amazing for the X-Men books. So mm-hmm. uh, what's also probably going to be amazing uh, is this pair of announcements for HBO Max. Warner Media announced that we would be getting a Batman animated series and Mm-hmm. a Superman animated series. So we'll start with the Batman one. Uh, this is going to be coming from J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves alongside uh, Bruce Tim. Okay. The show is going to be called Batman um, uh, Caped Crusader. And uh, they are saying that it is going to be a reimagining of the Batman mythology. J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves had this to say about this series. 
We are beyond excited to be working together to bring this character back to tell engrossing new stories in Gotham City. The series will be thrilling, cinematic, and evocative of Batman's noir roots while diving deeper into the psychology of these iconic characters. We cannot wait to share this new world. Very interesting. And if you guys look at the promotional art for it, it's uh, straight from classic Batman uh, comics. The cover is... uh, the, the art looks like it's from the cover of Batman 227, where you see mm-hmm. kind of Batman as like a haunting gothic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, image like looming over a giant house or castle. Uh, like like pre-Robin uh, Batman, like like pre-Robin uh, in the comics Batman, like yeah. 1930s Batman. Yeah, with the big ears and stuff. It's very yeah, interesting. We haven't had a Batman cartoon in so long. Uh, Batman Brave and the Bold was, I believe, the last. No, no. It was, uh, oh, boy. What was that CGI Batman show that came out after Batman Brave and the Bold? If you guys can remember that uh, from like 20. I do remember that. 16, maybe. I, uh, it was, I think it was like Beware the Batman or something. Yeah, I think. Uh, yes, I think it was something Beware like the that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that show didn't have a long lifespan at all. I think it only ran like a season. Um so it's been a long time for like what arguably is Time Warner's most you know lucrative property, Batman. Mm-hmm. And these are some big names behind it. Matt Reeves, he's making the the movie that's coming out. We have J.J. Abrams, who's you know one of the biggest you know directors and producers in Hollywood, and uh, Bruce Tim, who's one of the most beloved figures in DC animation behind the Timverse. So uh, I'm into it. I. I didn't realize how much I missed a Batman show, but you look at something like Batman the animated series, it's been, uh, it's been over 20 years since that got gone off the air. If you take justice League into account 15 years and there's just been so much that's happened in the comic. Uh, Grant Morrison's Batman run happened. Scott Snyder's Batman run happened. There was all this stuff with like hush and all that stuff. There's just so much that's happened. Batman comics when 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 Batman the animated series came out like the hottest thing that they kind of pulled on which was not in their wheelhouse was introducing Bane who had just come yeah. out like three years earlier so uh, I'm really excited for the potential here I'll, I'll be interested to see what Bruce Tim has to uh, do if he's how involved he is sure uh, because uh, JJ Abrams and, and Matt Reeves, I'm not particularly fussed about, but if they're just like executive producers or whatever, sweet. Well, uh, I really like Matt Reeves and I think JJ Abrams is a good idea guy. And obviously Bruce Tim understands Batman as well as anyone. So that's a real powerful triumvirate. And I think that one of the benefits of having something like HBO Max is that you can pay these kinds of creators to come on board and do something cool with a character like this. You know, we did, there has been a lull in terms of, you know, Batman uh, animated series. And then for my money, a lull in in terms of like compelling uh, Batman animated series, an even longer lull. So the idea that we're gonna get something fresh from from these creators, um over the course of time not just in one you know movie block but several episodes um i'm i'm interested in what they have to say about batman and probably more importantly uh the characters that populate his world uh the villains and whether or not we'll see robin things like that um i'm 
very very motivated to watch the batman movie uh the new the, the new batman movie uh, mm. with matt reeves so this will be a little bit of a teaser as far as what he's going to be saying with that movie or what his ideas are for batman yeah that's a really good point you know batman the animated series came out right after batman returns it was meant to be kind of inspired by the uh you know the um how was his name uh tim, tim burton. burton batman movies mm-hmm. uh and those and that show did a lot to really uh make batman's villains interesting obviously like um Mr. Freeze from that show became kind of the, the the definitive Mr. Freeze. The show created Harley Quinn, which is now, you know, arguably one of you know DC's most three or four recognizable characters at this yeah. point. You know, uh, so there's certainly an opportunity here to do something really distinct and memorable. Absolutely, uh, but but I think the show that people have responded to more the announcement people have responded to more frankly is the superman announcement uh so hbo max and cartoon network will be uh put putting up this show my adventures with superman uh it has a very different style than what you probably expect um it's got uh, jack quaid vo- doing the voice of uh superman and it's a very kid family friendly uh series that features versions of clark and um lois and jimmy olsen that are super different uh lois lane doesn't look like the you know the 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 rough but sexy um hard-hitting journalists that you expect all these characters are 20 somethings and they're kind of uh, learning themselves and learning how to do the job of 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 an, of an investigative reporter, um, it's it's very different. How do you guys feel about the art style and and kind of this announcement? Yeah, I yeah I'm a big fan of Superman. Obviously, it's my favorite comic book character. Uh, I don't really have an issue with this. I don't know if this sh- this show doesn't look like it's really meant for me. It looks like it's for younger audiences, and I don't really have an issue with that. It you know. If it's a good show, I, I, let me put it this way. I'm trying to look at it from like the lens if I was like 12 or 13 years old and the show was coming out. If 12 or 13-year-old me would like this, then that's a good thing. I, I don't think the show is really manufactured for 29-year-old me. It's going to be on Cartoon Network and stuff. I can't tell you the last time I watched Cartoon Network. It's been years. Um, yeah, it's tough to say. Now, what's interesting is Jack Quaid. He's from The Boys, right? Uh, yes, he is. And was he like the the you know corporate sellout version of Superman in that show? I never watched it. Um, no, no, I don't no. think so. Uh, he plays. He's the he plays the character who is not powered. He has no, no okay. powers. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say what like that would have been an interesting choice to pick the guy who's like the corporate stooge, but. Um, yeah, I mean, this one I'm not as excited for. Um, like I said, it's not really meant for me, but uh, I still, I'm still interested in checking it out. Yeah, it looks fun. Uh, I, I probably won't go out of my way for it, but I mean, if it, if it's, you know, if it sticks around, I'm sure I'll see it at some point. Um, the, the talent behind it certainly looks. Uh, credible uh the the name i recognize in particular is uh jake wyatt 
who worked on uh, Invader Zim. Oh, interesting. And uh, he he's got a lot of uh, good work behind his uh, you know behind his name. So yeah, uh, this is not for me. Certainly not. Um, the art style is not for me. The idea that it's going to be focused more on the relationships with these characters and not necessarily, um, it, or at least it doesn't appear that it's going to be focused on Superman in terms of his fighting his villains and things like that. Eh, this I could take or leave, most likely leave. But I do think there's an audience for this. Mm -hmm. And um, for those people who need this, that's great. We haven't had a super a Superman show of any kind in a really long time. So I, I was just flipping through the uh, the Polygon comments too, and somebody pointed out that the last young Superman thing we we had is now tainted by uh, the Nexium scandal. Oh, because of um, uh, Chloe Chloe Sullivan is that yeah, her yeah, name? Yeah. Well, is it? Um, I don't remember what her name is. I think it might be uh, Allison Mack. Oh, the character is Chloe Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. The um, last Superman cartoon. Not counting like Justice League and those types of shows, I believe was Superman and the Legion of Superheroes, which came out in the early two thousands. Yeah, that's wow. right. Wow. So it's been a while. Yeah, I, I I wish this was a more traditional uh, Superman. Something in the vein property. of Superman the animated series, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really do. I think that's the way forward for the character. I don't know that this is gonna hit. But again, a lot of people on social media seem excited by it, and that is yeah. a good gauge, you know, because presumably those are the people who will watch it. So um, we'll you know, see. Teen Titans Go is like the most popular kid show for like seven, eight years. If you know, if this show can hit a similar audience, you know, all of a sudden Superman's more relevant to a whole generation of young people that probably never heard of him or had any interest in him before. And um, when you like, got to think. You got to think too. The the kids aging out of Teen Titans Go a little bit will might make their way to this as well. That's a good point. Um, and like Batman, Superman's an IP that Warner Brothers hasn't done a ton with in mm -hmm. recent years. Uh, you know, there was Man of Steel and like Dark Knight Rises. Those were the last two like solo movies those characters had. Certainly, there was the Dawn of Justice and Justice League. But mm -hmm. you know, the last time like Warner brothers really leaned on these two characters as just their own intellectual property, not as part of like the bigger DC universe. It's, it's been like a decade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're getting uh, two shows about these iconic characters, but then there's actually a third property uh, in animation coming about them that flips them on their heads. Uh, Injustice oh, okay. is getting an animated movie. Uh, that's coming from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. You know, they've pub put out all the, you know, animated movies that you can think of about Batman and the DC, the DC characters, mostly Batman. Um, in <laughs> fact, we'll be seeing our first look at the Injustice animated movie after uh, or alongside the Batman, the long Halloween part two film that they're putting out uh, animated film. Hmm. Uh, of course, Injustice is a super popular video game series uh, created by NetherRealm Studios that features the DC characters in a uh, original story about, you know, what if, uh, well, I, I guess I don't want to spoil it. Um, I'll spoil it. What if Superman went bad because, you know, the Joker killed um, Lois? 
and he decided yeah. there need to be a new world order. Can't really spoil it. That's the premise. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the comic and the original game are almost half, a, like almost a decade old at this point. Sure, uh, the first three three pages of the comic or something like. Speaking of the comic, uh, of course, Injustice has had a successful comic book series as well. Um, Tom Taylor, yep, uh, wrote a lot of that stuff, and so I think this is great. I think Injustice is popular. I think a lot of mm-hmm. people enjoy um, this world and this take. Obviously, there's a ton of cynicism mm-hmm. around the fact that they keep producing stories in which Superman is bad. But I think you gotta, you know, you, you kind of have to just get over that. Like, you know, these characters are malleable, and that idea is clearly something that people enjoy because they keep doing it. If they didn't, if no one wanted to see it, they wouldn't keep doing it. So. Um, I don't know. No. It seems it seems just like an easy way to get into Superman's head more than people enjoy it. I think Not, I think people enjoy it I, personally. Obviously, I'm fatigued by the concept because it's been done a lot in the last 15, 20 years or whatever. But like you can't ignore the fact that like the Injustice comic book was perhaps like the most mainstream popular comic that DC produced over the last decade. Like Mm. people that don't read comics or at the very least don't read DC comics showed up for injustice. The injustice video game was incredible, is incredibly popular, both the first one and the sequel amongst not just like video game players or comic book readers, but like the diehard uh, fighting game community. It was a staple amongst, you know, that demographic of people. So This seems like a no-brainer just because it's got a it's got cross stream of like appeal amongst people that don't give a shit about DC comics. Yeah, and I think uh, you know the absence of a traditional pure good Superman in media uh is due to the the perception that Superman is boring and lame uh because of how heroic, purely heroic he is. And uh the only way we get Superman these days is to show a darker version of him. And that's not, I'm cool on that. Like I enjoy injustice and I enjoyed man of steel and I enjoy those interpretations, but I'm ready to see, you know, the traditional Superman take, take the stage again. But um, I think these things are a reaction to that feeling that um, the mass audience has about the character. Um, I don't think that that will persist the second we get a, a Superman movie that's good and mm-hmm. generally praised by people. But until that point, these are the things that have worked for people when it comes to Superman. And I think whatever gets someone in the door, you know, because there is a wealth of great Superman stories out there for people to enjoy. And I hope that they see injustice and they go, well, what else is there with Superman? And maybe they do go and read one of those great stories. Um, but I can't think of a DC story that more should have this treatment than injustice because of its popularity and because of the fact that it's penetrated with so many people. Yeah. That said, I can't tell you the last time any of these DC original animated movies really grabbed my interest. Yeah. Thank uh, fair you. enough. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. And it's like so often they just bleed the style out of the 
the work that it came from. You know, we brought up Long Halloween, and like, it doesn't really look that much like Tim Sale's stuff. Like if you were, and obviously, you know, it's it's easier said than done, but that's the beauty of animation is that you can do so many things that you can't do in other platforms. And so often, I feel like the DC animated film branch of Time Warner, it, it like is manufacturing the cheapest, easiest version of these popular books or whatever. Now Injustice will be, I think a little easier because that book had so many different artists on it. Um, you know, it was a, it was a book that came out as kind of a, it, it was meant to be kind of, kind of promotional for the video game as well. So that, that'll work. But as a whole, it's been like, it's been like 11 years since one of these DC movies really grabbed me. Uh, I think that it's a shame what the DC animated films have become because the only thing cooler than reading a comic is watching the same images in motion. Yeah. And they have the ability to do that. They have the ability to take those images, not literally one-to-one, but to recreate those images and make and animate them and, and tell these stories. And they, like you said, they drain the the art style out of these books. And, you know, what an honor for, you know, a guy like Tim Sale to see his work come to life. But that's not what they're doing. They're taking the story of, of the long Halloween or whatever it is, and then um, coming up with a generic style for it, you know, and that's, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go as far as to say it's disrespectful because obviously the movies do their own thing and don't respect the art style either because it's not art in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sucks. As a fan, it sucks. I want to see that. You know, we part of the reason we love these stories is the art. And so when you take that out of it, it's like, come on. Yeah, I mean, back you know in the late 2000s, they were making some really good movies. Like I think of the. Um, uh, uh, what's the uh, Darwin cookbook infinite frontier or whatever New frontier yeah. new frontier. Yeah. That was a beautiful movie. They did a great job of adapting that and making it look like his style. Uh, there was like Batman, the Gotham Knight. There was the green lantern, uh, like Emerald Knights movie. There were several really good movies. Wonder woman had a really good, uh, animated movie that came out in like 2007. I don't know when it happened, but like 2012, 2013, maybe like everything Sean said, it's been bleeding, the creativity and the beautiful visuals that we come to associate with a lot of these popular books, ruining them. <laughs> yeah. Well, in any event, uh, Injustice will be the next on that list, presumably. Um, but uh, it's probably the, the first one that they've announced, and I'm like, oh, all right, got to yeah. check that out in a while. So I'll, I'll be watching it when yeah. it comes to HBO Max. Naturally. I'm also interested. Maybe we'll do a review or something. Yeah, something else I'm really excited about is a new project from J.H. Williams III and Hayden Blackman. So if those names sound familiar to you, it's probably because they worked together on Batwoman, the um, Mm -hmm. critically acclaimed, uh, commercially successful Batwoman series that basically kicked off that character and that character's popularity. You know, she got a TV show. All that's based off of this comic that they did. Um, It kind of ended, I don't want to say it ended unceremoniously, but it felt like it was premature 
the ending. Yeah. Um, but these creators wanted to continue to work together alongside um, Dave Stewart and Todd Klein. Um, they are putting out a new series called Echo Lands. This is a series that was originally announced in 2018 at Image Expo, which is um, no longer a thing, but it used to be. And we got the announcement of this at that point. We probably talked about this on the show at that time, but it's being resolicited now. Um, it's finally going to come out. We got some artwork from it. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's going to be out in June. This this book looks amazing. I'm a huge fan of the art of J.H. Williams. And yeah, I, th I think this is brilliant. This is really, really pretty looking. Mm -hmm. uh, our main character here, she kind of reminds me of uh, Philo Vell from uh, the Cosmic Marvel stuff, yeah, the daughter yeah. of oh, Marvel, yeah. when she was uh, not. Uh, well, uh, Phalanx or something. I, I can't remember her character's name from the late 2000s, but that iteration with this red cape and all black kind of leathery spandex, um, it, like some kind of like little red, like little red Riding Hood looking kind of ass costume here, um, and even like the organism she's stabbing on the cover with her spear, like it's so unnatural looking. It looks like it's so like lanky looking, hmm. and like. Yeah, it like the, the the designs and like the thought bubbles all look different. They're all like very fairy tale oriented. This is a really pretty looking book. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it's it's coming out in August, not June. Okay. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's gorgeous. And Jake Williams is such a unique creator, He's such a unique artist. You don't get a lot of work that looks like this. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so exciting when he does um, put a book out. I do want to read a little bit about what the story is. So uh, it says the series focuses on the character named Hope, her sticky fingers, and the Earth's last war. The book is laid out to convey the roller coaster ride that Hope will be going on. There will be a wide range of characters introduced from a wide range of genres. The story is set in a world with a hidden history and is a mythic mashup of robots, cowboys, vampires, pirates, and anything else they can think of. But overall, it's a character-driven story about a girl who is a thief, and she steals something from a despotic wizard. She ends up on the run with her friends from that same wizard and ends up exploring the world and all of its secrets. Hope has a messed up past, but her upcoming journey makes her even more compelling. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. I'm into That's that. God damn, I'm flipping through these the three page uh previews on the mm. um the games radar uh, uh article on this that you you yeah linked to us. They don't even look like the same artist. <laughs> like fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So you're here for the pirates, right, Sean? No. <laughs> Ooh, lie. That's, you that's, lie, you lying dog. That's the worst <laughs> part of this, frankly. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, yeah. and Hayden Blackman, by the way, also a very good writer. Well, we'll definitely okay, be reading so it out this August. Yeah, yep. Are you into this, Kill? Yeah, this looks cool as shit. All right, well, we'll be reviewing it in August. Speaking of books we like. Silver Coin, uh, a book we've been really enjoying in our review series that you guys should hopefully be checking out, uh, is is going to be an ongoing series, and they've Hell announced, yeah. yeah, 
they've made a few announcements about creators who will be joining the next wave of silver coin issues so obviously michael walsh is the uh he's the constant he's the artist on every issue what's what changes is who will be writing it issue five is actually going to have a really cool surprise because issue five will be written by michael walsh himself mm. now Sick. originally silver coin was announced as a monthly series then it was announced as a five issue series issue five will give us the michael walsh issue where he's doing everything but then beyond that uh he will be joined by joshua williamson and rom v nice and matthew rosenberg these are huge names huge indie names especially yeah yeah, yeah. rom v has been doing uh stories in uh james tinian's razor blades mm. and uh they're very good so i'm very excited to see what he'll do with this concept hmm. rom v is the man right now and I think his story is going to knock it out of the park. I really yep. do. Um, yeah. And, and for my money, Matthew Rosenberg is really talented as well. So um, I haven't seen him in horror yet, but I'm excited for that. Uh, Vita Ayala, I think also. Yes. Yeah. Is on this as well. I think she, I think she was announced after Matthew Rosenberg. Yeah. That's why I don't have it in front of me, but um, yeah, she got announced as well. So that that's exciting. Yeah. Yep. Um, we know what it is with the silver coin. If you're not reading it, you should be checking it out. We love it. It's a book that we highly recommend. Um, not much more to say. Just cool announcement. Go check it out. And la last up, before we get into what's going to serve as our main topic today, is uh, an announcement from Marvel that the Defenders are coming back once again. So the last time we saw the Defenders in Marvel Comics, um, well, I think they did a, 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 a mini called The Best Defense um, that was that featured the OG OG Defenders. But what I was referring to was the Brian Michael Bendis edition yeah. of The Defenders, which oh. featured the uh, the Defenders from the, the Netflix series. Right. Um, of course, Daredevil, uh, Iron Fist, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Here with this new series that they've announced coming from Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez, uh, it's actually going to be a, a, a team of characters that more um, looks like the original team. So uh, Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, Red She-Hulk, the Masked Raider, and Cloud will be the team that these uh, that this creative team will be using in this five-issue series that's coming out in August. Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer are, of course, OG members of the team. Red She-Hulk taking the place of uh, she of, of Hulk, who yeah. is a traditional member, and Master Raider and Cloud, I believe, being new members yeah. to the team. What the hell have they done to Red She-Hulk? Fuck me. You need to read Immortal Hulk. Yeah. Oh, yep. man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, this is interesting. This is uh you know I never really had like a strong affinity toward the uh, defenders, uh but the art looks really cool here. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of the Silver Surfer. Mm -hmm. We did a book club on Silver Surfer Requiem that uh was I'm very partial to that book. Hell, we have a YouTube video where we talk about the history of the defenders, which is a uh, just an interesting little side tidbit there. Yeah. Uh, I do yeah. like Al Ewing quite a bit. I feel like this is exactly his wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh i'm into this 
Yeah, man. Um, great creative team. Yeah. Obviously, Al Ewing, uh, Javier Rodriguez is, is is very talented as well. Um, Joe Caramagna is going to be doing the the letters on it. Um, I'm excited. Obviously, we love Al Ewing, um, especially what he's been doing of late. And it's the defenders. Why not? This is a match. This is a perfect match. I, Sean. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I'm happy to see like the, the kind of returning to roots here. I, I love Marvel street characters a lot. Like daredevil, Luke cage, iron fist. These are all characters I really like, but they're not really the defenders, you know? Mm. And those characters, you know, maybe not Luke Cage because you know he obviously had a huge role on the New Avengers and stuff. But a lot of these characters, I feel like, function best on their own, specifically like Daredevil, and I guess Jessica Jones too. Uh, returning to the more like magical and like super super powered kind of roots here, I, I, I'm happy to see that. What were you gonna say there, Kale? Do you know Sean? Um... Have they done anything with the masked raider since they reintroduced him or whatever in was it Marvel One Thousand? Marvel One Thousand, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I never saw that character again. Yeah, it seemed like they were building to something like he was going to be the next something. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't seem like that's happened. Or frankly. Uh, the 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 big happenings at Marvel have have largely passed me by the last yeah. couple of years just because of how disinterested I've been in the overall product. Um, but I haven't seen that character anywhere. So if there has been something that they've done, I missed it. Yeah, I feel like we would have just even with how connected we are, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see what they do. I guess uh, it's going to be a five issue mini. Um, which is a perfect that's perfect for the defenders. I love the idea that they're not a team that, you know, sits together and has like a base of operations and stuff like that. When there's a mission, when there's a call, they come together to defend. Yeah. And that that's really cool. That's a cool concept. And, you know, you don't see that a lot. Like a lot of the teams in, in, in the big two are teams that are established that 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 have existed and continue to exist in perpetuity. I love the idea of a team that they just come together to get it done and then they do their own thing. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of the Annihilators uh, from uh, Abnett and Lanning's uh, Marvel, uh, Cosmic Marvel stuff where it was just mm. like the biggest cosmic characters that would just come together for like the biggest shit just to get shit done. So you would have like yeah. Quasar, Beta Ray Bill, Gladiator, Nova, Silver Surfer, and Ronan the Accuser. And like these are all very different characters. But, you know, when the cosmic scale... Uh, of things is out of balance you know you come together and get shit done that's what the defenders are yeah oh he, namor was on the original uh defenders mm -hmm. team so yeah that i mean that exemplifies that yeah yep. exactly um so yeah we'll we'll if if you guys are into it if we're into it we'll be reviewing this series when it comes out for sure the last thing we're going to talk about today is of course the massive news of the warner media discovery merger there's a lot to chew on, and of course, we're looking at this from the DC angle of it. Uh, it's a big deal, and we're going to talk about it. So, uh, obviously, the news of a merger between Warner Media and Discovery 
shook the entertainment world this week. Um, it's 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 massive. Um, and and of course, you know, you might be listening to this and thinking, well, isn't Warner Media owned by AT and T? That is true. So the idea is that AT and T is actually um, getting rid of Warner Media. This has been a, a frankly a long time coming. We've talked on the show a lot about how AT&T has been hemorrhaging money. They've been in bad financial straits for a while. They invested billions of dollars into trying to um, bust into the entertainment industry in a major way. And it was a play that failed, frankly. Um, They spent too much money without really having a concrete idea of what to do and how to do it because they're not an entertainment. uh, They're not an entertainment business. So they apparently took on a lot of debt. Yeah, they took on a lot of debt. Um, so now, uh, as long as the regulators allow the merger to happen, which uh, there is a lot of uh, speculation that that will not be the case, that they will not allow this to happen. Um, Discovery is looking to, you know, make a major play for that third spot um, in the streaming service wars. You know, it's Netflix and it's um and disney it's disney plus but that third spot there's a lot of competition for and with warner media discovery can actually really um do some damage if they're if they're able to to get this through so you know all that stuff is cool but that's that's you know more larger range and that's outside the scope of this podcast um we're more interested in how this affects dc because of course dc comics is owned by Warner Media. Um, if Discovery gets Warner Media, do they choose to keep DC Comics? How does this affect the comics portion of Warner Media's business? Now, uh, there are a couple things to consider. Number one, Discovery is known more for their reality television stuff than their scripted stuff their diners drive-ins and dives their you know (laughs) um uh, those home home improvement shows with like you know those people who buy who who help people renovate their houses that type of stuff yeah um hgtv or whatever they're not necessarily in the business of comics they're not in the business of you know comic book characters so what so will they even know what to do with that stuff? There's a lot of speculation that they might spin off DC. On the other hand, you could say, well, because they don't know anything about it and it's not problematic for them, they could just let it be and let it be its own thing. AT&T was notoriously not hands-off when it comes to mm-hmm. DC. Um, DC was forced to make a lot of changes over the last two, three, four years to accommodate AT&T, their new overlords, to prove their worth. Yeah, um, That may or may not be the case with Discovery. So do you guys think this has the potential to be a good thing for DC Comics? Do you think there's a chance that Discovery just offloads them entirely, shutters the business, uh, sells the, the comic rights? What do you think is going to happen with this? It's so hard to predict, honestly. I mean, you talk about Discovery not being uh, really a, a you know, it's not a streaming giant. It's not it has no familiarity with like these giant IPs. You know, they do reality shows and market guy Fieri. But you know what? Neither did AT and T. 
that's a phone company. And right. certainly right now they're more worried about like 5G and stuff like that. I didn't even know We've, Discovery was a broader company. Like, yeah. you know, I assume like Warner or like, or anything that would be big enough to buy Warner. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, well, I listen, just found out about uh, Discovery Plus. I mean, my understanding here is that AT&T flipped the Warner Media stuff for a lot less than they paid for it three years ago because of all the yeah. damage they've done to it. I think it was about half, around half. Something, That's yeah, something brutal like that. from a from a, a you know an acquisition standpoint. And that's the question, right? Is you know from a from a shareholder perspective, what value does DC Comics really hold right now? Because AT and T is a primary, uh, you know, as primary owner of the, the the branding has done a lot of damage to it. We know that characters like Batman, Superman, and from a from a broader standpoint of other Warner Media stuff like Harry Potter and all that stuff, that stuff's really lucrative and worth a lot. But you know, if you're not in the business of knowing how to run that stuff, yeah, you know, Disney is an entertainment company. They got Marvel, and they almost they knew exactly what to do with it. They've inflated the value of that of that IP since 2008 in a way that <laughs> nothing comes close. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I don't know what the future holds. It's really hard to speculate, but boy, it's been grim for DC for the last three years. I feel like. You know, every month we're reporting on some debacle that's taking place from a corporate level with that with with that company. So can Discovery, you know, write the ship? I honestly don't know. Yeah. How are you, Kill? I don't fucking know. <laughs> like I said, I didn't even know Discovery was a thing. So <laughs> what does Discovery have? Like I'm seeing I'm seeing CNN, TBS, TNT. Is well, that Time all, Warner? That's all Time Warner. That's Time Warner. Okay. Okay, I was going to say, well, I mean, there's hope in the idea that if Discovery owns that, well, TNT, uh, aren't they the home for drama? What was their old slogan? Something like that. We, we know drama. That's the one. They know drama. So what's the problem? Um, but, <laughs> I, yeah, if that's not true, then I've got nothing. <laughs> I, don't, I genuinely don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, certainly other aspects of their entertainment is more lucrative. TNT's got basketball that does incredibly well. It's got mm. AEW wrestling that's an upstart that's also doing well. CNN does well for the most part. Like, you know, they got other things that are doing okay. We're focusing on DC Comics and DC Media, which is right. uh, not doing well. My yeah, yeah, yeah. My my point with that was, you know, TNT and TBS have fiction programming. Mm. So at least there is some precedent there that they can sort of, even if, you know, it's not a one-to-one correlation, there's something there you can look at and go, okay, maybe. You know what? Like TNT, how many memorable TV shows do they really make? I don't think they make a ton of memorable, like original television shows. TBS mostly, you know, airs reruns of popular sitcoms, right? They have some original programming, but... I can't think of any of the names of them. I don't think they're particularly popular. The reality is I think a lot of those networks from a, from a syndicated television standpoint are producing, uh, they're, they're stuck in like 2003, you know, <laughs> like basketball and AEW that's live programming. That's that draws 
you know, butts to the seats because it's that's how live television works. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about stuff I mean, that's intended for rewatch purposes, like that's what streaming's all about. And I don't think, yeah, we're seeing anything like that on network te- on, on cable or network television, frankly. Yeah, um, I, I look. I feel two ways about this. On one hand, people have been saying that DC Comics is on the ropes for like a really, really, really long time. I remember thinking that if Flashpoint didn't get over uh, over 10 years ago now, that DC would be gone. I remember having that thought. And that was that was big talk back then. Um, and I'm sure that the the doom and gloom aspect of DC existed before that. I don't think that DC is going to be shuttered. I just don't. I don't yeah. think I don't think that there's a reason for that to happen. Um, it would be a bit random. DC does well. Like DC Comics do well. DC Comics mm-hmm. do not underperform. They notoriously perform poorly to the standard of AT&T. Yeah. Juxtaposed with the expense of their, um, their the property at which they work out of um, and having to fund that. But for a comic book company, DC does just fine. And I think that the, the, the characters yeah. that they have are worth so much money, right? Yeah. Arguably, even if box offices don't represent it, arguably – Worth more than Marvel's characters in some in some senses. Batman, Superman, those are pretty, you know, um, um, globally known characters that have a lot of value. And I can't really see any entertainment company or any company looking to get into entertainment or further themselves um, in that space not wanting to have DC. It doesn't make any sense. You don't have to technically have the comics to have the ability to make the movies and television shows. But what is it costing you to have the comics? You know what? What are you losing out on? And 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 by the way, you know they're they're not mentioned in any of these announcements. DC is not a factor in any of these announcements because yep. it's small potatoes, and that yeah. fact probably works more in DC's favor than against it because they're not hurting you, but they're not tremendously helping you either. So the, the focus isn't on you, which allows you to presumably to keep doing what you're doing. That wasn't the case with AT and T. I hope it will be the case if the discovery thing happens. I don't know. Warner Brothers laid off so many people during the pandemic and we've talked about all the creative shifts at, you know, DC Comics over the last year from, you know, senior executives to talent. Mm-hmm. There's been this exodus of talent just because of like the, the amount of money they're willing to put into that, you know, into that. I don't know if Discovery's going to allocate that kind of money to their comics branch. They, they might not, but I think a, a key element to that piece that you just brought up is we have to look at everything through the lens of AT&T's problems. Mm-hmm. AT&T's problems are that they were billions and billions of dollars in debt, and they needed to reduce that at any cost. DC was directly impacted by that. So if Discovery is picking DC up and they don't have those problems and they're not expecting immediate profitability from DC Comics, maybe they are from Warner Media as a whole. Yeah. 
and HBO Max as an arm of that, but not necessarily DC Comics, maybe Warner Media is able to allocate more of those funds. Maybe the the, the tightening up will be relaxed and loosened, and they'll be able to make better comics decisions. They've made fiscal decisions that make sense, but not a lot of comics decisions that make sense. I don't personally attribute DC Comics doing well recently to the decisions that have been made over the last year. I don't. I don't think that they're relevant, or or rather, I don't think that they're necessarily related. The slate of comics that they put out has existed for a while. COVID caused a lot of things to be pushed back, less so for DC than other publishers, but it happened. We're getting Future State now, which is essentially 5G. These are all the same plans they had for 2020. Nothing is new. Uh, And I don't think that people are flocking because of Future State, right? (laughs) Um, So I think that a lot of those under-the-hood decisions that have been made have hurt DC. There are stories that we haven't told on this podcast. There's stories about the fact that all of those layoffs actually negatively impacted DC's ability to make money because Fortnite was ordered less than it should have been because anybody with a brain who has a history of working in comics, you know, decades of experience could have seen that coming. Mm -hmm. They ordered less because they didn't know. And DC did everything they could. Diamond did everything they could. Well, not Diamond, but DC did everything they could to make that book accessible. They actually um, uh, lengthened the, the time in which you could order it. They opened orders again after they had already closed it because they were like, wait a second. Why are people not ordering this? It doesn't make sense. Mm. Comic shops and the relationship with DC is not good right now because yep. everyone who worked there who had a great relationship is gone. Yep. And Marie Javins, who is the new editor in chief over there is flying by the seat of her pants doing well, nothing against her. She's doing a great job, but she was put in the position without the, uh, the pedestal to succeed because leadership over there is in turmoil. Mm-hmm. And I hope My biggest hope is that this shift can allow DC to bring back some of those people, maybe bring in some some people who maybe didn't work there before, but are industry veterans who can help write that ship. Yeah. And, you know, we won. Obviously, you mentioned that this this merger has actually go through. Uh, Granted, usually during like a Democratic administration, these types of mergers uh, are harder to push through. They usually happen more often during Republican presidencies. Uh, so there's a good chance this doesn't happen. Um, but if it does, we don't really see, we won't see the ramifications of it for a while. You know, you know, we're talking about uh, the 5G future state stuff. Like this is stuff that was probably in the tank since 2018, 2019, meant to be put out in 2020. Who knows what kind of things that we'll actually see take place over the next five years. My understanding, though, is that if Discovery does get a hold of Warner Media, they want to put out more Batman and Superman media, respectively, because who won it? Right. Exactly. So it's all up in the air. Um, we probably won't see any changes for a couple of years, at least, if this is a thing that happens. I wouldn't expect this to be... Uh, expedited in the way that the 
the acquisition of um, of uh, uh, Fox. Fox. Thank you. Mm. The acquisition of Fox. Um, I wouldn't expect this to be as expedited as that. I think a lot of eyes are on this situation, especially in light of the Fox situation, um, to ensure that this is not going to be bad for the economy, bad for the industry, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of concerns. And I think this one is going to face more scrutiny. My understanding is shareholders especially are very concerned about this. And yeah. whenever those types of people are worried about that, that kind of thing, which you didn't really see as much with the Disney Fox thing, you know, it's it, things move at more of a snail's pace because when a lot of people who have a lot of money could be affected, that's when in a negative way, that's when you see these things not really happen as quickly. To that point about shareholders, uh, shareholders have been really upset with AT&T for purchasing yeah. Warner Media to begin with because they're not a media co- uh, they're not an entertainment company and they don't have mm-hmm. the know-how uh, to make it successful and they failed. In fact, uh, the I believe it was the CEO or, or the president of AT&T came out and said, you know, we we failed, um, which was a huge statement on his part. And I was surprised by that. Um, but the reality is that the media landscape has changed. There's a consolidation of power going on. Yep. And DC is a small fish in that. But the fact that they have Batman and Superman is always going to make them a player on some level. And I hope that the future for them is bright. I really, really do. I know I get on here a lot and bash DC, but I love DC. I love DC Comics. I love the creators behind it, especially. And I want success. So if this is going to be a good thing for DC, then I say regulators, let it fly. Let's do it. <laughs> we uh, don't want to see these characters fail, you know? Like, of course. They're a fundamental part of our upbringing and stuff. Uh, just because we're frustrated with DC Executive and AT&T and Time Warner, you know, we want what's best for DC Comics. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you want what's best for DC Comics, too, you can write in with your thoughts about this subject Uh, Let us know if you think that this is a good thing for DC or if it has the potential to be bad for them. Or you can talk to us about anything else that's on your mind. You can write in at the comicspiles at gmail.com. While you're thinking about us, make sure that you leave us a rating or a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. A follow as well is much appreciated. If that happens to be on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, like the video, share it with your friends. All of those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Uh, We want to mention that our stream that we promised for this past Friday, we weren't able to get that out to you guys, unfortunately, Um, but we are planning to do that this Friday. So stay tuned to our social media or our Discord, of course, uh, for updates on that. Uh, We want to get back to streaming. We did a lot of that during the pandemic and we had a lot of fun and you guys seem to have fun too. So we want to get back into streaming. Uh, Check out our book clubs. Of course, we've got a wealth of great book clubs out there now. At the end of this month, we will be putting out our uh, Jupiter's Legacy book club, which actually is going to be dropping this Tuesday. My goodness, it snuck up on me. Um, so, yeah, check that out. And sure did. there's plenty more for you guys to enjoy as well. So uh, let's get into the plugs and let's start with you, Kale. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at KaleWard.com. That's T-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. I have uh, some personal news that's not great. 
Um, I went to the doctor recently and uh, uh, the thing is, I think I'm turning into a weeb. Oh shit. Oh no. Yeah. Um, I've just been, I've had this real crave, just deep craving for manga and anime. Um, mm. and I don't, it's, I, I, I kind of feel it gnawing in my chest and I, Oh yeah. Um, I just saw some one piece statues earlier and I went, Ooh, okay, let's grab those. So, uh, I'm a little stressed out. It's not a great time for me, but somebody it is a great time for is uh, our good friend Pete and Bessie, who can't be here. He's in New York doing some, no, Vermont, doing Vermont? some bullshit uh, with his band, Long Friend Time Friend, uh, something about vinyl, something about, anyway, they've got a thing. You can Google them and Twitter them and uh, buy their vinyl. Um, he also does a Nintendo podcast uh, called The Podcast. And Lou Potts something or other, uh, loud, uh, loud <laughs> underscore Pete. Wow. There you go. Phil. Uh, Kel, can you take your headphones off for a second? I got to talk yeah, to Sean yeah, about yeah, something here we privately. Go. Oh, All right, okay, here we cool. Go. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Sean, we got to put this guy out of his misery. <laughs> like, we got to finish him off. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think being a weeb is going to do that for us. Him being a weeb is going to be his doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good call. Good call. All right. All right. Uh, Kelly, you can come back now. Oh, yeah. uh, you can follow Marco, who's not on the show today either, at Mr. Marco Animoto. And uh, he's doing whatever he's doing. I don't know. Swamp thing this, swamp thing that, man thing this, man thing that. Uh, and then me, you can follow me at. Cyber Bebop on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs are happening right now. It's a good time for a hockey fan, so you can hit me up about that. All right. As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Currently in the middle of a Resident Evil 8 playthrough, which means that um, I've gotten past the part of Lady Dimitrescu, and so there's nothing good in the game anymore in terms of looking. <laughs> at least I had, you know... <laughs> A, a whole lot to enjoy visually. Now I don't. Uh, so it's all horror for me. So if you want to support me in my endeavor of beating the game, come talk to me about it and uh, encourage me. With that, we're the comments about signing off. Take care, guys. Turning to a week, I think. <laughs> <laughs>